Welcome back to the programme. Now, my next guest uh, says becoming an artist saved his life. He was once a high-flying businessman, millions of euro in annual turnover, and left it all behind and has been working as an artist for the past few years. His name is Chris O'Hara, and you are welcome to the programme. And I understand that you trained as a chef and you use kitchen utensils more than brushes in your paintings. Morning, morning. Thanks. Morning to Delighted you. to be here. Yeah. Um, yes, as a chef, I've trained as a chef for, I'm a chef over 30 years and I have many restaurants, as you know. Um, no, but my listeners don't know. What restaurants? Oh, I would have franchised um, possibly in my lifetime over 30 restaurants between Dublin and around the country, Toronto, um, but uh, and had outdoor catering companies and would have done concerts and all that sort of stuff throughout the years. Um, but yes, uh, I, I use kitchen utensils in my art because they're second nature to me or an extension of me and I'm so used to using them. So I don't generally use paintbrushes. Uh, At all? No. And since you say this saved your life, um, how did it come about? I mean, you were good at art at school. Well, I start, yeah. In secondary school, as I was doing my leaving, um, I was, uh, you know, I was definitely good at art and I was good at art and I was going to pursue art. My mum was an artist. She was a fantastic artist. She's passed away now seven years. Um, fantastic lady anyway. Uh, she was, uh, she also founded the Liturgical Art Society here in Ireland. I'm the eldest of five. So as growing up in the house, there was always art projects going on. So I've been around art all my life. Right. So uh, I've obviously got it from her. Um, I got an A plus at Honours Art for my leaving cert and was going to go on to NCAD and that was the plan but my mum bless her she was also a terribly bad cook and because I was the eldest of five I started to fend for us all in my teens right. and I developed a passion for cooking her brother too her brother John Carey is also a famous pastry chef he resides in Avignon in the south of France he's still alive but he's a world famous pastry chef and I was fascinated with what he does with sugar and butter and so forth Right. so I went to Cattlebrook Street instead of going to NCAD and trained as a chef and uh, yeah, off we went on this 30 year quest to Korea to build this catering empire. Right. And I mean, to go from, from you know, going to Carl Brewer Street and then talking about an empire, what happened in between? Well, okay, I'll give you a very short story as a, yeah. as a teenager. It might give you my approach to how I approached everything going forward. I, I remember when I was a child growing up in Artain, Dublin, and I remember every Saturday. Um, different vans would go around either the, the milkman, the bread man there'd be someone selling cakes there'd be someone selling something but there was a veg man that used to come around every week but they used to finish at Air Road the, his, his route used to finish at the end of the road and I noticed that there'd be only a few bits and pieces left in the back of the van it could be cauliflowers, carrots, some potatoes but it was all scattered around the back of this old high ace van and I had the presence of mind to suggest to him or I asked him what do you do with all the stuff that's left over and he said it's usually the stuff that people don't want it's battered and bruised and blah 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 blah. Yeah. I said I'll clean out your van every Saturday if you give me the, what the contents of the van right I would take the contents of the van clean his van bring it into my dad's garage with a few of the friends with potato peelers and basins of water and we'd wash them and trim all the black bits and, and present them put them in a wheelbarrow and go out that afternoon and sell them Born entrepreneur So that's how I've adapted just to give you an idea. How. Right, right. Um, so you 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 started working in hotels. Was it the hotel that sadly is infamous now at the moment, the Regency Hotel? Yes, I I, um, I when I left college, I did a day release course in college, and I was actually in the Regency Hotel. Um, 
I progressed as second head chef at the age of 19. I went on to, to be, be head chef, I think, at the age of 19, come 20. Um, at the time, I think it was the youngest head chef of its time. I think it was the third biggest hotel in the country at the time. Um, so huge pressure. Um, from there, then we went and uh, moved to Yorkshire, um, and I uh, was head chef of um, Ampleford College. It's a, I think it's the oh, highest. Oh, that's a Catholic private school, yes, isn't yes, it? Yeah. yeah, I believe some uh, prime ministers passed through it. Through oh, in, I believe so, yeah. Um, spent about a year there. Moved on down down to Jersey and uh, became second head chef at the Palm d'Or Hotel. Saved a few quid. Came back with four hundred pounds, which was a lot at the time. And this is about thirty years ago. And um, I got my first franchise in the Sunnybank Hotel in Glasnevin. Right. Well, listen. We'll just pause it there sure. because we have to take ads. You would understand that with your entrepreneurial <laughs> uh, stream, and then we will um, pause for the Angelus thereafter. But for the ads. Podcast the Marion Finucane Show at rte.ie slash radio. And now we go back to Chris O'Hara. Um, from millionaire caterer to non-millionaire artist, essentially. The, I, I know it's very hard to go into all the detail, but you were inordinately successful in terms of business and the crash done for you. Well, certainly the crash in 2008 and 2009 certainly hit the catering sector very hard, as, as, as any recession does. It generally hits the catering sector first. People tend not to go out. They, that's the first place they'll start saving. Right. So it, 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 literally overnight, nearly the turnover dropped by at least 33% to 50% in the pubs and restaurants just overnight. So it's just start laying off staff. And one thing leads to another. And once it starts crumbling, it just starts falling apart very fast. Um the sauce business um, was going at that stage and I was supplying sauces to hotels, bars and restaurants. This uh, was your own brand sauce? This is uh, Wacky Wing Sauces. We yeah. had our, created 72 different sauces under my label. Um, but we started servicing the catering industry for us, hotels, bars and restaurants in the larger containers or in buckets. And again, when the recession hit, obviously everybody was paring back and they weren't buying and to pay and get paid and so forth yeah and uh, I, uh, we had to close down that part of it right uh, but you essentially got out on time didn't you somewhat out on time I, I sensed the coming I, I've been lucky enough I've been in Canada I've lived in Canada for, for many years and it goes through like seven year cycles of recessions so I've seen two already and kind of you get to see the uh what's going to happen before it happens so to speak so I sensed it coming and uh, we started to start winding things up sooner rather than later uh, because I think most people make the mistake of when things start falling apart, you tend to try and save them. You just, you just naturally try to save and you throw everything at it. Yeah. But if you can be, you know, still step back a bit and just cut your losses and know when to let it go. Um, so what did you do it, it, when, when, when it was happening, when it was crumbling around you? Well, you, were, you still had the Angler's Rest and you still had... had the Angler's Rest. Um, again, as I said, that's, you know, like any other restaurant or pub at the time... Uh, Definitely, fifty percent of your sales were eliminated within nearly two week or two month period. Um, I gave in my notice. I had a lease on the Angler's Rest from Michael Wright, and I gave him my notice. And I just because I'm going to wrap it up in six months, I'm going to give it back to you in six months, and just start start shutting things down. But I mean, even at that point, the stress and the money worries, and I, you were having all of that, you know, and the the health was starting to suffer, and I got alopecia, started losing my hair. And uh, eventually ended up getting sciatica, which uh, got a very bad form of sciatica and literally ended up on the floor for nine months. I, I called it my rebirth. I couldn't sit in a chair. I couldn't walk. I couldn't lie in the bed. And I believe it was um, 
all the stress and anxiety and everything else was pouring out. Right. And presumably that affected absolutely every aspect yes, of your did, life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you were walking in St. Anne's Park. That's right, yes. Tell me about that. I think this was, this was going back before 2008, around the 2008, yeah. 2009, was falling, things were falling apart. And uh, as I said, I'm from Artane, I was up visiting my mum and dad one day and he went for a walk in, in St. Anne's Park. I love walking in nature anyway. As an artist, you get your yeah. inspiration from nature. Yeah. And uh, it's a bit like a scene in the movie, it was sunset nearly and there was an old man sitting on a bench and I sat down, we got talking. And I generally will always ask people who've gone before you who are older, you know, what would you advise somebody at my stage of my life? And yeah. uh, he thought about it and he, he said that... Uh, if you really want to know who you are or what you truly want out of life, you need to strip yourself of all the material things that you think reflect who you are. I thought that was very powerful. And I've, you know, like most people in, in that position would have had, you know, the, the cars and the house and so forth and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I thought these reflected who I was or I thought these would make me happy. And obviously they don't. You only fill a void for a very short time. So I got this idea and I wanted just to, to everything to stop and I wanted to just change the environment. And I got this idea to take one of the vans from the sauce company, convert it myself cheaply so it wasn't done professionally, put a little bed in it, a cooker and so forth. Yeah. And I planned this trip around Europe uh, back in 2009 to travel through all the countries of Europe using the van as my only means of transport and accommodation and living on five euros a day. And, and, that was, and that was the challenge because as a keen photographer too I thought I'd love to I'd love to capture something like that through photography the people the landscapes the food and all that sort of stuff but more than the geographical journey which took 75 days I think it was 27 and a half thousand kilometres um, was the and which totally took me by surprise was the journey that I took inside for the first time in my life to really go inside and look at yourself and look at obviously where you went wrong yeah. um, because I think if I look back and if I'm being honest uh the, this, if you want to call it empire, I was trying to build, it was quite self-serving. Yes, you employed people and you did your best and so forth, but it was still quite self-serving. There's still this need to build this and have this. And, and I don't really know to this day what that, where that drive came from to do that. But it, it was, you know, it was, it was breaking you down as well. And it was all outside of you because it's external and it wasn't fulfilling you. And you knew deep down inside yourself, like most people who possibly suffer, when I'm joking, but who suffer from depression or feel down, to notice something wrong, but you can't quite put their finger on it. It's usually because you're not doing what you're probably supposed to be doing or in your heart of hearts know what you should be doing. Um, and you're fighting with that in right. yourself. Did you have a terrible sense of failure when... when? Um, no, unfair. No. I mean, I mean, it was obvious what was happening, you know, yeah. the economy was falling apart, people weren't spending, so you know, not, that's not your right. fault. So moving on, and there's a, I'm skipping a lot here, um, to where we are now, and you're exhibiting at ArtSource. Arts in the RDS at the In the, the RDS, yeah. Now, how did all that come about, and how do you approach your art, and how do you sell it? Again, it's qu- okay, so... When I got sick the second time, and that was about four years ago, I let everything go. I let the sauce company finished completely because we used to we used to supply all the multiples, done stores, Tesco's, and so forth. And I just let the whole thing go, and I started to paint because I wasn't doing anything else. And I just painted and painted and painted for about a year with no intentions of doing them or selling them or doing anything like that. Just painted and painted to my heart's content. Uh, somebody said one day I had about 200 paintings at this point so what are you going to do with all the paintings you should show them did an exhibition about half them sold and then obviously the entrepreneur came out again and uh, but much tamer and more calculated and calmer and uh, 
we went on this quest to create this and uh, I do a lot of shows. I do about 30 shows a year and we push it very hard. Um, this is amazing to me because I'm, I'm aware of people who b- b- are artists and artistic and create things and they find it very hard to get a show or to be taken by anybody. I would say what I have gone for me is the business acumen. I have the, the drive. I probably talk to talk. Um, I would always look at, say, as we were talking there about the purple cow, I would always look for a different way to approach something. What Don't, is the purple cow? Um, the purple cow is looking for your unique, say, your unique points of sale. So, for example, I do large paintings. They're bright, they're colourful. Um, I think I hit on that at the right time because people now, their, their rooms are the, the, the former decorating now, simplicity, uh, light tones, mushroom colours and that so forth. Yeah. And just one big piece of art on the wall, which is just a big splash of colour. So... Uh, I seem to have latched on to that. Um, so we drive that. I offer a service, which I think is quite unique. Um, we call it a call-out service. It's free. There's no obligation. I bring 15 to 20 paintings of various sizes and colours and the customer gets to see them on their wall. We spend about half an hour or so and they see different paintings on the wall and it gives them a better idea of size, colour and scale and they generally always go with something completely different than they thought they would have gone with. So it's hugely beneficial. It has really driven the business. Um, that accompanies with doing all the shows because you have to be out there yeah. meeting people telling your story. Um, yeah, all that combined. Right. Uh, that combination of the art and the business is is quite remarkable. Then I have people who have been very good to me. Valerie Rose, my agent, she looks after all the publicity and she backs me there. Um, my framer, um, in fairness to him, Anthony Poland, he's uh, based there in Dubai. And because I paint at such a rapid rate, I produce probably 30, 40, even 50 paintings a week. So he's on a very... I'm on a very tight deadline and pushing him constantly to get the frames done. He's a fantastic guy, great character. Um, I've lots to thank him for. Um, I have friends and family who've been a great support in the earlier days when right. it was tough. Um, and I, more importantly, I'd love to thank, and I have to thank all the people who support me at this early stage and bought paintings at the start. I would never have got here without them. I but, also okay. try to keep the paintings at the same price point that I started. Which at. is? Which you'll get, say, an average painting is about 100 by 120 centimetres, if you can visualise that, or 100 by 140 centimetres, and it's about 550 to 600, which is very reasonable. That's framed, ready to hang, delivered. Right. Okay. Well, um, it's an extraordinary story. Um, Chris O'Hara, now we must remind people again, it's Art Source and it's on in, it's not just you, it's others as well. No, it's a lot of artists and I I have to say it's my first year doing Art Source. Um, In fairness to the organisers, it's a fantastic show, it's very well put together and it's really an honour to be among such an an array of talent and and it's so diverse and I really recommend everyone to go and try and see it. If you have any interest in art, go and see it. Uh, It's on again today up till six o'clock and it opens tomorrow tomorrow from 10 to 6 and I believe in uh, the RDS in, the in RDS. Dublin and our source is going down to Cork for the first time and I think it begins on the 29th of this month and it runs for three or four days okay okay listen thank you very very much indeed that was Chris O'Hara and we'll take a break podcast the Marion Finucane show at rte.ie slash radio